0: This is episode number 347 with Cara Golden of the Founder Podcast.
1: What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty
0: human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, Founder fam? Nathan Chan here. Welcome back to another episode. Now, this is episode is an absolute must listen for anyone that's ever encountered naysayers, self-doubt or even fear at the thought of being an entrepreneur. Um, in this interview, I speak with Cara Golden and she is the founder of a company called Hint Water and it is crazy what she's done with this business. She's taken it from zero to $200 million a year. And uh, I talked to her about the inner game of being a founder. You know, how do you face challenges every day? And what is her commitment to learning an entire new industry? She knew nothing about the beverage industry, and she's come in and absolutely crushed it. Um, You're also going to find out how she just really cracked the wholesale space It's very, very difficult to get into wholesale. We also talk about um, Google and how they became one of their biggest clients and the whole B2B space. This is a really cool interview. I loved it so much and I hope you do too. Just one small thing. Unfortunately, the audio quality on my end isn't as strong as we'd like it to be. We had some technical difficulties. Luckily, we had a backup on my side Just hope that's okay if you guys want to apologize in advance. But that's it from me. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. Now, in the show. The first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job?
1: How did I get my job? My job now or just my first job?
0: Well, yeah. How did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today?
1: Uh, So I am the founder and CEO of a beverage company in the U.S. called Hint, and uh, this is what it looks like. Um, And I started it 15 years ago with no beverage experience. Um, I was uh, a tech executive and had this idea when I was looking at what I was drinking um, every single day, and I was drinking Diet Coke, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, and drinking a lot of it, never really thought that there was anything wrong with it. I had been focusing on the food I was eating and and um, had tried some different diets um, uh, after leaving my, my tech role. And that's when I made this tiny switch from, from Diet Coke to trying to drink water. And after two and a half weeks of forcing myself to drink water, what I realized was that I knew that drinking water was better for me, but I just didn't do it because I just didn't really like the taste of water. Um, but I love the idea that I was getting healthier. I had um, lost 24 pounds in two and a half weeks just by making this little switch. My skin had developed terrible adult acne over the years, and suddenly, by drinking water, my um, skin cleared up, and then my energy levels got dramatically different. So again, like I was so passionate and so curious about like why this happened to me. And that's when I went and like started slicing up fruit to get myself to drink more water and throwing it in the pitcher of water. And I thought, I wonder if a product like this is for sale. Like I had been only focusing on diet Coke for years. And I went to the supermarket to see if I could find something that was just fruit and water. And I was shocked to see that everything was sweetened. And I thought, like, even the stuff that was calling itself water, like vitamin water, had sugar in it. And I thought, you know, this is diet sweeteners and it's really not making me healthy. And why is this? And so I think that's really what led, you know, my curiosity really led me to say, like, there's this hole in the market. I wish somebody would go do this company. And that's when I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do yet around tech. And maybe I, I have this idea, maybe I should take it to my local store and see if I can, you know, how hard is it to get a product on the market? I mean, little did I know that I was jumping into the most competitive industry, dealing with, you know, taking on as people um, talk about me, the, the giants, like the Cokes and the Pepsis of the world. But, you know, for me, it was really, if I could actually start a company that helped a lot of people get healthy and get them off of their addiction to sweets, um, which is how I view uh, you know the soda industry as a whole. That's something that I want to do every single day. Like I just thought you know I could do a lot of different things. I'm a very smart person, but if I could actually help people with this problem that maybe they don't even know exists, um, how really how I felt about you know sort of my experience overall, then that would be what I want to do every single day. And so, I just wrote this book, Undaunted. It came out October twentieth. Undaunted, overcoming doubts and doubters, and believe it's available. I know it's available on Audible um, throughout the world, but um, but it should also be available on Amazon in Australia as well. But but basically, the the story talks about you know how I got my job and how I ultimately um, you know built this company with no experience. with, uh, you know, lots of challenges along the way, um, including lots of doubts and doubters and fears and failures. Um, And today we're the largest non-alcoholic beverage in the U.S. that doesn't have a relationship with Coke or Pepsi. I had four kids under the age of six when I started the company too. You know, so that's a whole other topic that people often want to talk to me about and you know, I just said, like at you know this passion and this commitment and this curiosity and this frustration with an industry that I thought was just so bad and so awful on so many levels, like if I can go in there and actually launch a product and fix it and really help people that that would just be awesome to do every day.
0: Yeah, wow. thank you so much for yeah sharing how you got to where you are today. um incredible mission. and I'd love to kind of go back to. The early days, because a lot of people have aspirations to create a company, physical product or tech product. Um, you know, uh, you come from a tech background. I do see a trend um, where there are people that come from the tech tech world. They start moving into e-commerce or direct-to-consumer, and they do really, really well. I'm curious, how, how did you start? Because, um, yeah, moving into a space like that is extremely competitive, Uh, people tend to buy products like this, like beverages, um, from supermarkets or off the shelf. So yeah, I'd love to hear like, how did that start? Even like getting like, yeah, no, like the proper licensing and making sure the, the, the bottle is like the, the, like what what's inside is okay. And like all those sides of things. Yeah. How did you start? Was it a costly exercise? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I started, I had made some money in tech and, and I decided that, you know, I was really curious about this, but I didn't want to take investors. Um, uh, even though I had friends who, you know, wanted to be angel investors and early investors, they believed in me. I was like, don't, don't invest in this yet. I have no idea what I'm doing. Don't let me convince you to do this. Um, so, you know, initially I took $50,000 out of our bank account and shared with my husband so he didn't think I was going off on some boondoggle, you know, like with my girlfriends or something. I said, I have this idea that is really big and here it is. Like, I'm going to launch a beverage and it's going to help people actually drink water. And he was an intellectual property Silicon Valley lawyer he was like, wait, what are you doing? Like you, you could do a lot of different things right now. Like, why why do you want to do this? And I said, because, you know, health is so important to people. It doesn't matter your gender or socioeconomic background or, you know, or any of this, right? Like it's at the end of the day, it's like if people don't have their health, you know, you have nothing. Right. I hear this over and over again from people worldwide, like, you know, Every, every day. And it's only accelerated in 2020, I believe, um, for so many people. But I think for, for me, I had this big idea, but I had no idea all of those things that you mentioned, how to actually solve those ideas. I thought, I go to a supermarket and there's product on the shelf, but how does it actually get there? And so some of the things I talk about in the book, just as an example, are, you know. I would ask the guy at Whole Foods, I'm like, how do I get a product on the shelf? And he's like, well, you have to like actually have it in a bottle and you have to be registered and you have to, you know, and then I would go onto Google and I'd start looking around for more information. And then um, and then when I ultimately got it on the shelf, at, I wrote a business plan and I got it on the shelf at Whole Foods. Um, you know, it's funny because I, one of the, another story in the book that I talk about is, Um, that I, you know, had no idea how long it took to take, to actually launch a product from the beginning until, um, until the end. And, uh, so, but I found out shortly after I wrote the business plan that I was having my fourth child. And so I thought, well, I want to like take a break with my new baby. And like, I have these other little kids as well to be able to spend time. So I decided like, that was my timeline. It was six months from now before I got it on the shelf. And so I, um, the, there's always delays when you are producing a product, right? And so I uh, got the product the day before I was having a planned C-section at, at my house. And so I uh, woke up that next morning, May 27th, 2005, and I, my husband said, what do you want to do? You don't have to be at the hospital till two o'clock. And I said, let's go try and get the product on the shelf at Whole Foods." and He's like, really? You don't want to take a walk or go have brunch or something? And I'm like, no, it'd, be, like, it'd make me feel so much better if I actually got this accomplishment done. And uh, so that's when I went to this market, Whole Foods, um, in San Francisco. And I, like, as soon as I walked in, I saw the gentleman that I had been talking to like a couple of months prior about launching this product. And he, uh, the first thing out of his mouth was, you're really pregnant. And I was like, I am, I'm I'm very pregnant. And he said, you're not going to deliver the baby like right here in the store, are you? And I said, I I hope not. I'm supposed to be at the hospital at two o'clock. And uh, he said, okay, I just, I like want to make sure. And he said, how do you know you're having a baby at two o'clock? And I said, well, I'm having a planned C-section. And he said, what's the difference between a planned C-section and an emergency C-section? And I said, well, I've had both. So I'm your girl. Like I can tell you exactly (laughs) what the two of those things are. And uh, he said, so what are they? And my poor husband was like backing up into the fruit and vegetable section thinking, oh my God, like she's really going there and she's going to talk to this guy about where babies come from. And then um, 15 minutes later, you know, he said, thanks so much. Like, I've always kind of wondered, like I've heard these terms, but I didn't really know what they were. And uh, I said, okay, can you actually put the product on the shelf now? And, um, and he said, I'll try. So I left and went and had my son, Justin and everything's great. The next day Mm -hmm. he uh, reaches out and, um, and shares that the 10 cases were gone. And I, I didn't, I was like, who took them? And he said, no, they, they sold like they're gone. And I said, oh, okay. Like I hadn't even gotten that far. Like I, my goal was to actually get a product on the shelf at Whole Foods and, uh, and now they had sold. And, and so part of what I, you know, some of the stories that I share along the way is sometimes, you know, when you have it all like mapped out, so carefully right like it's you have this big goal like i'm going to go and sell like millions of cases right you get yourself so daunted right by this idea that you can't even go and it doesn't matter what you know category or industry you're in mm. for me it was just like okay i'd love to sell a lot of cases but let me just get it on the shelf first now it's sold now i have to figure out like the next steps along the way like how do i deal with that and and so you know, that's what I often share with entrepreneurs that, that, you know, if you're really daunted by something, try and figure out how you get undaunted, right? How do you figure out, like take steps along the way and recognize that, you know, you're going to accomplish some things. And when you do accomplish some things, remind yourself like along the way as well. So that, you know, that was really kind of the, the, Early start of of launching this, like I didn't have any idea of ultimately how to do it or um, you know how to distribute this product either, and and get it out there or you know ultimately do all these different things. But every day there were challenges, and every day I was getting educated, you know, about sort of going into this new industry. I'll also say, like coming from tech, two things about coming from tech, I felt like. Coming from tech, I, you know, was at a place where I was the youngest vice president at AOL, um, the company that I was at. And, you know, I was managing 200 people. It was, um, I was running the e-commerce and shopping partnerships. And I felt like I was supposed to be like really happy and really content being in like this, you know, big pimpin', you know, role, right? Like that's really great. And I wasn't that happy. And part of the reason why I wasn't that happy was that I felt like a lot of people were coming to me for like, you know, mother, may I, right? Like they were kind of saying, how does this look? And then I was like, and I wasn't really being educated, right? Like I wasn't living in this world where I was like learning and something I talk about today, like the happiest C-suite executives and, you know, as as well as you know, people just getting started are the ones that are always like trying to learn, right? The people even that are listening to podcasts or you know, or like watching webinars or whatever—it's it's like are reading a lot. Are those people that are lifelong learners? And I think it never stops, even when you're like a CEO. So what I was seeing when I was launching Hint was this whole new industry that I was like fascinated by the idea that there were. You know, a lot of games that were played with, like, by the big beverage companies that, again, like, I didn't even know existed. Like, they were some of them shady, right? But I was like, wow, like, it's like this whole new world, like, opened my eyes to, you know, stuff. And how can I change those things? And how can I, you know, do things a little bit differently? But then, in addition, the one other thing I wanted to say about the tech industry is that in tech, which is kind of what I grew up in. I felt like there was always this, like, even when you finished a product, there would always be a, um, an upgrade or, you know, version two or something coming along. So it's sort of like, um, doing a puzzle, like the, the in the, um, in, in the internet industry, when you're, when you're like working on an internet puzzle, there's, there's not an end, right? There's no, Like it just keeps adding on and that can drive a lot of people really crazy, but it, but at the end of the day, like that's what the tech industry is. It's like, you know, it like innovation drives it because as new things get created. Right. And, um, and it just takes time. Right. And people who jump into the internet, they, um, they may, might not even know what they're sort of living in, but it's always going to change and it has to, right? And it has to get better. In the beverage industry and consumer products industry, what I was seeing that was like really kind of archaic to me was like when you launch a product like a Diet Coke, for example, and if it's working, like people are buying it, then it's like, don't change anything. Like if it, it right? Like it's like, it just stays there. Like- you know, Ruffles potato chips. It's like, just keep it, like, don't touch it. Right. And then, you know, maybe you do different iterations of it. But in our case with, um, with Hint, like, it was like, I was going in and trying to like, you know, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, like, let's launch it. No one's going to die, obviously. Like we had that all tested, but I I kept saying like, oh no, we want to get better. We want to get better. We're like, let's use better apples. Let, let's do better blackberries or whatever along the way. So I think like that type of innovation crossing over from one industry into this other industry was um, was kind of, it just wasn't done. But again, like I didn't know that. I wouldn't be able to articulate that even 15 years ago when I started, but it's sort of, it's, it's the beauty of sort of crossing over from industries and, and frankly, you know, maybe you feel this way as well. I feel like, you know, some of the leaders that I admire or that I've, you know, been able to read about are ones that are not necessarily in my own industry. They help me think differently about how I can bring innovation into mine.
0: Yeah, no, I agree 110%. Um yeah, it, it's very, very interesting to me. I have seen a trend of um, people that move from tech to a physical products e-commerce, and they typically do very, very well because I believe it's it's not as competitive, and it's it, it's only like I'd say the past three to five years that Shopify has really taken off, and like it is crazy. I, I've seen time and time again speaking to people that you know they come from the SaaS world and they move into e-commerce and. And, you know, they're, they're like hardcore growth hackers and they just absolutely destroy it. Um, so it's really interesting. And, yeah, I agree with you as well around this idea of of learning and that rise to the challenge. It, it is quite infectious. And, um, yeah, it's, it's never ending. But that is, you know, the journey is the reward, right?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think even you know, for me, like I, it's even how I, you know, lead our teams too. I'm constantly encouraging our managers when they're hiring people to um, make sure that they're, you know, hiring people that they're not just managing, but they're also going to learn. So I often ask this question, like, you know, what do they know that you don't know? Because Mm -hmm. I said, like, you may not know this, but like, that's something that everybody craves. It's like, even if you don't crave it right now, you want to be like, king of the mountain, right? After a while it just gets old. And that that's really what I think you know spurs people just getting frustrated and maybe depressed too and like not really understanding like why they're in the the job that they're in because after a while like if you're just not learning, I mean we're humans, like we you know we we want to we we do want to learn. And I think it's like I think that it it just may not be so obvious to people who are, you know, in, in like a C-suite or, you know, or, or, you know, in a manager position. But I really do believe that that's something that is, um, that is something that most people like, if they are learning, I mean, that's why starting a new job is really exciting and scary, right? And, and if you know, creates fear around you. And then there's this honeymoon period, maybe where you're, actually like, oh, you got it all under control, but then you get itchy, right? Unless you are still learning. And I guess you can do that by taking online classes or reading or whatever. But I think the more you sort of push yourself into kind of another area like, you know, whether it's innovation or, or whatever it is, like, I think it's just really, it really ultimately leads to happiness. Um, It like that, those are the things that I've learned along the way.
0: We're really big on learning as well at Founder. It's one of our values, learn and be curious. And that's one thing I think about when we are, when we're interviewing people too, is have you learned something from that person? If you have, then that is a good there's a good chance that that person is like an A player. They're really strong. Um, but I'd love to switch gears and just delve a little bit deep around this idea that you went to Whole Foods. We, we've actually I interviewed John about a yeah. year ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, about a year ago. Sort of a really great interview about leadership. Um, so very familiar with Whole Foods. I thought like there's a pretty long process to get into Whole Foods. Like, how did you just rock up to just a store and then they even put them on the shelf? Like, was there no paperwork exchange? Like that's a crazy story.
1: Well, I think, you know, a whole foods today or even a year ago is significantly different than it was 15 years ago. And um, you know, now it's owned by Amazon. Um, So it's uh, there's a lot more processes in place, but um, when I was starting the company um, they were, They, and I think they do to some extent still have these programs, but they would have local producers Uh and they would have like a small percentage of products in certain categories that they really wanted to get local companies. Um, So I guess like it was, you know, it fell underneath that and it was pretty easy, you know, to get in, to get in there. But, you know, it's interesting because I think that the more corporate companies, like um, some of the you know, grocery chains, the big grocery chains, like there was no way I would have been able to launch my product into those stores. And I I mean, you know, it was like the early days of Hint were, like I said, we, you know, always sent it to, we figured out that there was a lab in South San Francisco that we could send our product to to actually make sure that there wasn't, you know, botulism or something like growing in there that was really bad, I mean, it's amazing. Like, I've talked to so many entrepreneurs over the years where, you know, it's a little bit, you know, flying from the seat of their pants kind of, you know, thing. And I'm like, we, you know, we did that a little bit, but we were always super careful about like having health or having insurance, right? Like, from day one, like if somebody, I mean, I'm married to a lawyer too. So, of course, I would, you know, like there was no way even if i thought it was okay like he was going to go for that but i think we you know we always wanted to make sure um but you know it's it's funny i re, i remember um like people would say to us you know how like they they would say like oh instead of 10 cases let's uh, go with 30 cases and when i used to hear that from a buyer way back then i'd be like oh because part, partly I just wanted, I wasn't totally positive that our product would like hold up and I didn't want mold growing in the product, right? Like I wanted to kind of eyeball it. And because again, I think like the other piece of this that a lot of people don't understand is that Hint is a, um, we were not only launching a new product, But also an entirely new category, which is crazy as it sounds like unsweetened flavored water. And so there were a lot of things, including the fact that we didn't use preservatives in our product. So people were like, that's impossible. Like you cannot do a shelf stable product without using preservatives. And, you know, we figured out, like for the industry, just by thinking differently how we do that and that we pasteurize the product and so no one had done that in water and again we were looking at you know other d- types of beverages and we were like why i wonder why that can't work and a lot of it had to de- had to do with the equipment because like a juice plant versus a water plant they're never run like in the same systems but we were like what if we cross some of these components and like it's amazing you know after you do it you're like oh Like, why didn't other people think of this? But again, when you're doing things in any industry, like it's working, you're selling, everything's going, like you just don't change. It's sort of the story of, you know, companies that fail ultimately, right? Like it's like, you know, they didn't see it coming because somebody came in from another industry and just thought differently. But I think it... It led with, like, my own curiosity and not knowing the rules and, like, how, how I ultimately, you know, decided that this was, you know, one way for us to do it. And now it's like an industry standard that there's a lot of other companies that have done this. But, but you know, it really, for me, it really, it, it prevented us from selling lots of product in certain situations because we were, like, manually really trying to watch um, product over the years versus like we didn't want to have bad products sitting on a shelf that like would you know harm somebody in some some way by no means but also just had bad taste because we thought like the first experience with a product like if you taste you know a product and it doesn't taste good you're never going to go pick it up again right because you've already like made that decision so yeah. So it's cra- crazy times, crazy startup days. So. <laughs>
0: so I'm also curious as well, like um, what happened next in the sense of, um, you know, 10 cases gone, uh, you know, young one, like, like how, how, how did you? Young
1: ones. Yeah. Four of them. Young. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, that's when like, you know, almost a year later, I mean, it was a year of really hearing, like I said, you always have kind of doubts when you're doing something new, you're educating yourself on the market and, you know, you have good days, you have bad days. And I felt like I had, there were so many questions coming up for me from a lot of these different places, like I was trying to figure out with my husband who joined me as our chief operating officer, but he had no experience either. He was smart. He was a lawyer, but he was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here either. But really like we were doing things like trying to figure out how to, um, create a product that didn't have preservatives in it and get some kind of shelf life. We were, um, trying to figure out how to get a distributor because these stores like whole foods, for example, were saying to us like, you know, you need to like have an official distributor. Like you can't just be like the mom who's like delivering the product to the store. And, you know, I would I was like the closest and and the most I knew about distributors was like I had seen Coke and Pepsi trucks go down the street or Cisco trucks but I didn't know how to like get a hold of them. And literally, like I would say to the Whole Foods guy, can you give me someone's phone number? And he was looking at me, I'm not giving you a phone number. Like you have to figure that out. Like it was just not. And, and so I was getting really frustrated by what I was hearing. And then, you know, there's, there's another story in the book where I talk about my experience where I was telling a girlfriend of mine, like, I'm like, I should go back into tech. It's like, I know tech. I like you know get it. I know a lot of people in it. It's way easier, make a lot more money. All this kind of stuff. And then she introduced me to somebody um, at Coca Cola in the U.S. and had a you know was all prepared for this great call because I thought he has all this industry experience. He's just going to wave his magic wand and it's all going to be terrific and fixed and help me with distribution. Maybe help me with you know creating the product. And that's when, you know, 15 minutes into the call, he interrupted me and said, sweetie, Americans love sweet. This product isn't going anywhere. And I was like, wait, what? Like what? He just called me sweetie. And, um, and I, you know, I, I tell that story so often because it's one of like stuff is going to happen along the way that you don't expect. And maybe like somebody's going to be super rude to you and, um, I don't know, dismissive, you know, obnoxious, whatever you want to call it. And you have a choice, right? Like, I, a lot of people have heard that story and said to me, like, did you tell him off? Did you hang up the phone? Like, what'd you do? And I said, no, I just listened because I thought it was so unbelievable to me that he was saying this that I was like, okay, I'm just going to listen now. For the next 45 minutes, he shared how. Uh, he didn't believe, you know, consumers actually wanted a product like mine, um, like hint that, that basically, you know, what they wanted was lower calories and, um, and they wanted sweeter things. And during the next 45 minutes, um, I listened really carefully cause I was still trying to figure out like size this guy up and I, and I never heard the word health, like ever. It was like, how do I trick the consumer into, you know, buying this drink? Mm. And I thought like, that's not my mission. I mean at all. In fact, people weren't even talking about it as like a mission-based company or a purpose-driven company, but it, it was so clear to me that we were on different rivers, right? Like he was like, ta- he was doing his thing and I was doing my thing. And I had heard from customers that this drink was helping them drink water that it was helping them control their type 2 diabetes. And I thought, like, I hung up the phone with them. And at that point, I thought, I have a choice. I either just not do the company and give up, or I keep going. And he's not going to do this company. So it's really pretty simple. And so the story that I tell in the book is, you know, like I said, is is one of many where, like, you know, you can get upset, about people, but sometimes people actually show who they are and what they believe and their true colors. And when, you know, it's kind of like consider the source, right, to some extent. And like, I, I just knew that I wanted to move this company forward and nothing was going to stop me. And actually, I got a lot of clarity um, from that call that I didn't expect going into it. I didn't really think that that was like what I was, I was expecting him to solve all my problems. And that wasn't it at all. And so it, it's a story of, you know, like, again, so many things happen along the way that you don't, you know, think about, you don't like, you certainly don't expect, but it's another thing that I believe that it's part of your journey. And sometimes when you look at these things that are, you know, like I said, unexpected, obnoxious, whatever, like sometimes they may, they may be exactly what you needed in order to push you in like a certain direction. And, you know, you don't have to be a beverage entrepreneur or even an entrepreneur to sort of believe that and, you know, move on. Right. And, and kind of find what you're, what you're doing. And I mean, the book has only been out for a few weeks, but I think it's, it's interesting. What it, what the book doesn't do is actually give you a one, two, three on how to start a business. What Mm -hmm. it does instead is tell you my journey. And there's a lot of moments in here where like people are like, okay, this is where she shuts the company down. And they're like, wait, no, she did you know, and cause it's so, it's very honest. And, you know, it's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised. It's not sort of what I thought about when I wrote this book either, where, you know, I, I'm shocked that more people haven't sort of told these stories, right? Like, it's like, we hear about the entrepreneurs in every industry being like the, the unicorns or the failures, right? But I always felt like the stuff in between, like how they did certain things and like, you know, that there was never one way, right? That those are the most interesting and that's what really, I think founders and and, and leaders also need to hear too, that it's like, you know, in order to kind of lift other people up, right? Like the way that you have to, you have to kind of tell it as it is, right? And, you know, that that's how people are ultimately going to be better, and how we, you know, whatever teach the next generation or help entrepreneurs to go and do great things is to, you know, get them to not quit and um, and know that we've all got fears, we've all got doubts, we've all had failures along the way. But it's really how you move forward and how you learn from all of those things is the most important piece.
0: So, do you believe that? if you're just persistent and you never give up, you can make a business work?
1: I think you have to have a great idea, right? Like an, or a great product. I mean, if you're coming in, if you're not a founder, if you're coming in, I think, you know, there has to be certain elements. Um, You also have to have great people. I mean, that's another thing that I try and share in kind of my mentorship or um, along the way is that, not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I always talk about contributors are like, you know, founders and CEOs can't do what they do every single day without people who actually want to contribute. And, you know, I've had people who have said, oh, I've worked for founders forever. And, you know, like, I think I should go start a company, but I don't really have an idea. I'm like, no, you should like, like the idea that contributors aren't important you know, is like, great. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people maybe don't, shouldn't go start a company. Right. And, and I think that that, that is so key, like just being persistent is, um, is a lot, but it's not everything if you don't have a great team. I mean, there's a lot of examples where, you know, most great leaders today talk about their teams and, and about like what they've, you know, what, they've been able to do. Cause I think, again, you can't really move forward and keep trying and doing a lot of the things that I'm talking about. Um, especially as you're scaling, if you don't have great people that are really supporting their, these efforts and, and kind of, you know, doing a lot of stuff and making it great too.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, um, I guess when coming to team, how do you identify and you must've, um, Being good at this in the early stages uh, to find like great people? How do you identify great people even like at all various stages of the journey?
1: So living in San Francisco, I mean, huge, you know, tech world, right? So the interesting thing is, is that, you know, it's very competitive, right? On there, it's very competitive, but there's also, we don't have like, a ton of beverage executives like most in in the there's not a lot of people with beverage experience. I would say there's more like companies that ha- have cropped up out of the East Coast like in New York and then obviously Atlanta um, with Coca-cola um, at least for non-alcoholic and you know there are some differences between alcoholic and there's some similarities I should say there's more, differences between alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages, just in terms of, you know, like non-alcoholic in general, although there's an ex- there's exceptions aren't like in bars, right? And restaurants as they're like, they're mostly grocery stores or online or whatever. So finding those people like, you know, was hard for those two, you know, kind of big reasons. But early on, we went into um, Google with our product and that was another um, story that, you know, truly happened by accident. I was a tech executive and I had, you know, started my company and I was getting recruited by Google. And it was, um, there was this guy, Omid Cortisani who was one of the first um, uh, employees outside of the founders. And he, I had known Omid for a while. He worked with my husband at a company called Netscape And he wanted me to um to come in to Google and we had been having a few rounds of conversations and I kind of wanted to keep my options open in case this hint thing didn't work out. Mm. But when I shared with him that I was um doing this beverage company, I was kind of like embarrassed. I'm like, okay, I'm interviewing at Google, but I'm, you know, got this like side hustle thing going on. I I know you're gonna think it's silly. And I pulled this bottle out of my purse. And he was like, oh, like, I don't really like cucumber. Cucumber was one of the flavors. He's like, I personally don't really like cucumber, so I'm not going to taste it. But that's really interesting. Why are you doing this? Like, you have all this beverage experience and shared with him, you know, what I had seen around health and how it really helped me. And I I was like, I don't know where it's going to go. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but it's kind of making progress and, you know, it's exciting. And he was like, you know, it's really interesting. We are hiring chefs to cook for us and our employees here because we found that, you know, as we're building up the employees in Google, there's like not enough restaurants around here. And so it just takes forever for people to go out and eat. So we thought, well, maybe we'll just like hire chefs and then we'll allow people to eat. Mm-hmm. um, you know, inside. And I was like, Oh, that's such a good idea. And he was like, yeah, and they're really good chefs. Like they're really healthy food. And, you know, cause the healthier people are too, like they'll be more active and, um, and the afternoon and be able to do lots of great work and stuff. And he was like, but I don't think they have any drinks. Like I haven't really seen any drinks around. I mean, we have these vending machines, which, you know, are not so healthy. So you should talk to the chef And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, give him my phone number or uh, give me his phone number. So I got his phone number and, and I'll never forget this guy, Charlie at Google. He was like, yeah, I like Omid a lot. Omid like told me like he's known you for a long time and you were a tech executive. Why are you doing this? Like, you know, this whole story. And then he's like, yeah, you know, just drop off case. I'll see what the team thinks, no guarantees, you know, whatever so i did and then the next day he called me and he said um do you have 10 cases and then i was like yeah sure so i drive my car drive in 10 cases and uh and then the next day he was like uh do you have 30 cases do you have 60 cases so google became bigger than like the distribution in whole foods like just from like having that honest conversation with omid about like what i was doing and um and you know it's it's fascinating because uh, you know that's really kind of how people so many people learned about it and and again like people are like you know it was a brilliant strategy getting into like Facebook and Google and I'm like no like I didn't even like I, I, you have to understand everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, what is she doing? Like she's had too many kids. That's why she's like starting a beverage company. Like they were, you know, nobody could quite like connect the dots. Like they thought I was losing it, that I was even, you know, doing this. And so I feel like, you know, so many of these steps along the way were just by trying and like sometimes not even like really intending to try, but I just said, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll call Charlie and see if he'll, you know, do it and just follow up. And then it like worked out um, even better. So I don't know. Like it, it was like, you know, thinking back on this stuff too, you know, it just goes along with there's no right way, right? There's no kind of like, you know, I still don't really know you know what we're doing every single day. We try lots of different things, and we just keep we just keep trying. And you know, and most of those things work. Sometimes they don't, right? And then we're quick enough to sort of back out. And I'm not sure how how familiar you are with our direct to consumer business, but today, um, you know, we're we're an omni channel brand, and people talk about Hint as you know, very different than like the Cokes and the Pepsis. 55% of our overall business is direct to consumer. Mm. And so, um, you know, my previous life, which like I sort of like shelved thinking when I was going into beverages that I wasn't really going to be um, kind of, you know, utilizing any of the skills around SEO or Shopify, or they didn't have a Shopify back then when I started this. But that's when seven years ago, we, um, we started on Amazon. And then what we realized is that we weren't getting a lot of the data that Amazon had because we knew this from my previous life, that they had a lot of stuff that we would like, including emails and all that, and we weren't going to get it. And so um, so we decided to start our own direct-to-consumer business to have that relationship with the customer. And, you know, fast forward, as I said, it's, you know, been significant um, as we've grown our direct to consumer business. What's fascinating is that everything else has grown too. like it's like, you know, it's like advertising. People see our advertising online. The consumer makes a choice. They still go to the Costco's and, you know, and and throughout. Right. And they still, you know, they make decisions on how they're going to buy. And I think that, you know, during the pandemic. What I've seen as a CEO is that you know there were all kinds of issues with people, uh, you know, not being able to, or I should say, stores not being able to um, have our product on the shelf. You know, they'd run out of stock. There was hoarding, all of the stuff, stuff that we couldn't control. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we saw. Um, You know, that being chaotic and then offices were all closing down, which, as I said, we were, you know, we're the, you know, number one beverage in all these offices like throughout the U.S. because everybody wants healthy beverages for their employees. And so we were huge. That business was like like 15 percent of our overall business kind of went away overnight in March when the pandemic was really hitting the U.S., and so we sat there and thought about, well, what can we control? And we were pretty calm about it. Like people are like, you seem like you were pretty zen about it. And I said, when you have a business that you actually can control. And we knew with a lot of predictability that if we could, you know, just go out and get more ads on, you know, Google and Facebook and some of the other places, then we could actually throw the gas on those channels and we could get to the consumer who didn't want to go to the store or, you know, their store wasn't open or whatever, and just deliver directly to their home. And, um, you know, that business, I mean, our business has almost tripled in 2020 because we made, you know, these fast decisions, but also having that direct relationship with the consumer and coming from a different industry and being able to, you know, and also live through 2008, 2009, where you know we also look back on that year, where um, you know it was it was uh, it was challenging for the world, but it was you know really challenging um, you know for us, and we made some decisions along the way that you know again are ones that um, you know we didn't necessarily want to, but we 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 live to tell and we live to improve,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and so I think that. When we saw the pandemic coming, unlike a lot of people who just froze or, you know, didn't know what to do, being a startup and and still operating very much like a startup, we were like, okay, well, let's not panic. Let's figure out what we can do to sort of continue moving forward. And so that was a big, um, you know, something I've talked a lot about to press in the US.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's really smart that you had diversified risk. Um, and you were in both B2C and, uh, B2B, um, that's really smart. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, um, how, like, would you be able to share, like, how many, how many people are drinking Hint every year?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to tell. I mean, we're in like 30,000 outlets throughout the U S, um, and, yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of it's hard to say millions, you know, like I I don't know. Um, so hopefully we'll get to Australia sometime soon um, as well. But uh, it's um, yeah, I mean it's you know I think for me we've part of our sort of ethos as well as to um, manufacture as locally as possible. So yeah. while we see other companies um, uh, producing in one country and then shipping it you know, we, we've never really thought that that was that like sustainable. And, you know, and so for us, I think the the growth has just been pretty big in the US. So we've really been focusing on, you know, continuing um, to do that. But, you know, it's interesting things like, as I mentioned earlier, like type two diabetes, I think is something that is, you know, a global issue that only leads to you know, heart disease and cancer and and some other really pretty crummy you know situations that I think are sort of at the root for so many of these diseases. Not sort of like having an internal system that's functioning properly, and it all kind of all roads lead back to, as I used to say, sugar. Um, but I think it all like all roads kind of lead back to like sweet and sweeteners, and kind of like figuring out is it um, you know. A a sugar issue or a sweetener issue that I'm having, and I always you know joke with people that I didn't realize this until I sort of had this come to Jesus with my own um, you know palate. But I I really believe people, if you throw a bag of potato chips on the table or like a piece of cake, people will like make a decision right, and they're both in excess bad right that. Not even the potato chips, but the but the sodium, right? Like I think people just like you've either got salty, savory, or like the sweet craving. And then there's there's a large percentage of the population, you know, if you think about it, two circles. And there's a large percentage of the population that overdo it on both of those, and that's why obesity and lots of things that are worldwide, you know, issues really come into play. And and if you want to go and you know follow your dreams and like start a company and do all these things like you you have to be healthy to do it and so it's like it's an issue that i think everyone no matter what your age is no matter what your career is that you need to pay attention to it
0: yeah i agree um so look we have to work towards wrapping up car but this has been an amazing conversation you've been so i guess open and honest around all these crazy stories and your journey thus far um i'm curious like have you had offers from Coke or Pepsi?
1: You know, over the years we've talked to them. um, I think that we've been less focused on, um, on sort of trying to convert them into believing what we're talking about, which, you know, like seems to me to be common sense around, you know, health um, versus and, and continuing to just grow the company. Um, So, Uh, every day, I think like that, I can't say never. Um, but I think, you know, if you wait for people to kind of catch up to where you're at and, you know, it, it sort of prohibits you, um, or, or I should say it leads you to, you know, live daunted, like when are they going to call? Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think for me, it's just much more important to just keep growing and serving the customer, um, and coming up with ways like whether that's, you know, being in tech firms, or having a direct-to-consumer business, or like, what else can we do to really communicate better and ultimately service the consumer?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. We'll look. a um, couple last questions. Uh, one, uh, any final words of uh, wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience of early-stage founders? And then two, uh, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself, hint, and your latest book?
1: Yeah. So, um, I would say that the big message is just go try. And if you're feeling alone, I think it's like, um, you know, just know that like starting a company is really tough and, um, and I get it. And I think it's, um, it's something that you just have to take baby steps and you have to figure out a way like over the wall, through the wall, like, and those are the stories of all great, you know, entrepreneurial journeys. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and definitely uh, pick up a copy of Undaunted: Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. It's, um, as I said, it's on Audible um, for sure, um, all over the world. But also, it's on Amazon, and also just visit me, you know, on social too at Kara Golden with an I, um, and let me know uh, what you think.
0: Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks again.
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Reel